Welcome to the City Pentecostal Church Sermon of the Week. Coming up. Therefore, brothers, make all the more eager uh, to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Make every effort. Do whatever it takes for you to grow in the the Lord. Amen. That's what he's saying. He tells me that this does not just come automatically. That because I've accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior, then I'll grow to become what God wants me to be. Just sit on the chair and say, I'll become what God says I'll become. No. What will, be, what will happen is you will regress and you will go back to the way you used to live. You see, there's no, it's either you are growing or you are not growing. And when you are not growing, you are going back. Is your faith like walking on water without doubting Jesus' power? Do you dare to leave the boat? Pastor Francis Calambera continues with our theme of deepening our roots by taking us through the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 encouraging us to face our fears and to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. And although we may feel like a failure at times, just as Peter felt when he denied Christ and had little faith in him, we are reminded throughout Scripture that God uses imperfect people for his purpose. If Jesus can use faith the size of a mustard seed to work miracles, just imagine what he will do if we deepen our roots in Christ who strengthens and grows our faith. Peter is one of the most interesting uh, characters in the New Testament, isn't it? (laughs) When you look at Peter, the the way he was called, is one of the first disciples of Jesus that we are called. And uh, when you look at at his life, he's just uh, an ordinary person like myself. He's not an extraordinary person. He was just a fisherman. He met Jesus. And uh, started walking with Jesus Christ. And if you look at his life, there are many things that he did that, through the power of God that are awesome. He's the only person, at least in history, that I know, alongside Jesus, who has ever walked on water. If you have another person, you can tell me if there's another person who did that. But uh, as far as I know history... <laughs> And as I've heard stories, he's the only person, apart from Jesus, who has walked on water. Some may say, oh no, but he, he sank. But no, for a few minutes he walked on water. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> There's no other person who walked even for two minutes on water, but he did. So that's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, if you look at Peter... He's the first person who preached the message on the day of Pentecost when other scholars of the Bible think that's when the church started. They still debate others. No, it was not on that day. Others say it was on that day. But let's, let's say it was started on that day. He was the first person who stood and preached a powerful message and 3,000 people were added to the church. But he had also his down moment. <laughs> the way I like Peter is that he's, he's, he was also a goofy person. <laughs> you know, sometimes we are goofy ourselves, isn't it? 
I don't know about you, but sometimes I do goofy stuff. <laughs> sometimes I say things that I go home and like, why did I say what I said? <laughs> sometimes I do stuff and I say, why did I do that? You know? Especially that time when, when you are sleeping and uh, it's so quiet, then you are reflecting on the day that has just gone. That's when the conviction comes. You did this. <laughs> you said this. <laughs> do you have those moments? <laughs> I, I do also have those moments. And then I regret, I, I confess, I repent. You know. But another time, I do another goofy stuff. <laughs> so, but that's, that's the normal life that we have. We are ordinary people. We do have those moments. So what are the goofy moments of Peter? You know, he, he at times was a gang-ho kind of a person, a kind of Rambo character. And uh, incidentally, his name was Ro- The Rock. Rocky, right? <laughs> we'll call him Rocky if you wanted to call him in a nickname kind of a way of calling him. And uh, there was a time when Jesus was being arrested. He took a panga. Was it a panga or was it a sword? He cut one of the, the ear of uh, one of the soldiers. And Jesus said, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> Three times he denied Jesus Christ. And when you consider that there are people in history in the church who refused to renounce Jesus Christ. I can give you a good example of a man called Polycarp. Polycarp was a disciple of John the Revelator, or John the one who wrote the Gospel of John. He was brought before uh, the stakes, and the fire was lit, and, he, and they said, renounce Jesus, or we are throwing you alive on this fire. And Polycarp said, I have lived with Jesus all this time, and he has never disappointed me. So there's no way I can renounce him. And they threw him on the fire, and he was burned to death. Yet Peter, three times, he denied Jesus. There was no fire that was threatening him. (laughs) So you you see that? He was just a normal person like us. And... uh, but after the, the day of, of Pentecost, when he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, on fire with the Holy Spirit, he stood and preached powerfully in the same area where he denied Jesus three times. And we may, see, we may think that, okay, so now he had everything figured out. So he, had now, he was now a complete person. He was now a perfect person. No. Go to Galatians chapter 2. You will find there Paul opposing him in the face, rebuking him of hypocrisy. Peter, the disciple of Jesus, being rebuked. After he had been baptized with the Holy Spirit, as a spirit-filled person, he was still goofy. (laughs) Amen? Just like us, we will be goofy at times. And what happens? He was rebuked because of hypocrisy, because he was living with the Gentiles, and when the, the, the Jews came, he pretended that he didn't know the Gentiles, or he didn't associate with them. And Peter said, this is hypocrisy. And we can also say that there was a bit of legalism there. Amen. But as he was writing this book, or this epistle, 
writing to the people that were struggling in those times, persecutions, persecution was happening. The first letter was written as an encouragement to people who were being persecuted, people who were under pressure of those that were opposing the way or opposing uh, the faith of Christianity. And the second one, he wrote mainly to encourage the church to grow. The first chapter is talking is focusing more on growing. The second chapter is talking about false teachers who will come among you. If you look at the first letter, it's about the attack on the church coming from outside the church. But if you look at that second Peter, it's talking about the attack that is coming from within the church. You see, the church over the years has struggled with attacks that have come from outside. And those who speak against those attacks to correct those attacks, they, we call that area apologetics, isn't it? Defending the faith from outside attacks or outside heresies and all that that are coming to try to, to destroy the faith. But for those that are speaking or that, are wanting, that want to pollute the church from within, and those that arise up and speak to correct that, it's called the polemics. Isn't it? That's what it is. So the other one could be called that it was an apologetic kind of uh, writing, but this one was more a polemics kind of writing. So Peter was telling the church, you must grow because false teachers are coming. The antidote of being swayed by the smooth-talking teachers who are perverting the gospel is by growing in your knowledge of God and his truth. That's the only way. That's why Paul, as he wrote in chapter 4, he says that God has given us teachers, has given us prophets, has given us evangelists, pastors and teachers. Their work is to edify the, the church for work of ministry so that the church can come to the fullness of Christ. Therefore, and to, to the maturity in faith, so that they are not tossed around like every wind of, with the every wind of doctrine that is coming. We are living in times that these things are happening. And there are people that are being swayed by these kinds of things. So it is important to grow. So turn to your neighbor and say, grow, Christian, grow. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So Peter introduces himself in this passage as a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Notice he does not introduce himself as apostle so, so, so. Or prophet so, so, so. He introduces himself by saying, I'm a servant. But I function in the office of the apostle. Amen? Notice that. Since we need to be very careful that what we have believed, that what we are holding on is the apostolic message. Amen? That's the message that will bring the growth and the transformation in the life of the people. Not any other message. 
That's why Paul was able to say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto salvation to those that accept it, isn't it? But it says, then in in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says the message of the gospel is like foolishness to those who are perishing. But it is the power of God unto salvation. Since this message is powerful. Hallelujah. It has got in it, inherent in it, the power to save. The power to transform life. The power to heal. The power to deliver. The power to lift us up from wherever we may be. To be where God wants us to be. And uh, when you look at that word servant, it meant a bond slave or a bond servant. That's what he say. In other words, he's calling himself, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. I no longer have any rights. I do what Jesus tells me to do. He is my master. He is my Lord. When he tells me jump, I jump. When he tells me sit, I sit. When he tells me go, I go. That's what he is saying. That's how we are supposed to live as people of God. We are supposed to be servants under our master Jesus Christ. Of course, he says, you are not just my servants because I reveal to you everything. My father tells me, I call you friends. Amen. But that master-servant relationship should always be there. Lest we become too familiar with Jesus Christ. Amen. The apostle, when he's writing this, this, this word, Peter is now nearing the end of his life. There is a matter of agency in this writing. He's going towards the end of his life. He knows that any time... He's going to be martyred. And tradition tells us that he was. According to tradition, it seems like Paul was the one who was martyred first, then Peter. And then it looks like that when he, he was martyred, he was crucified, just like Jesus Christ. But tradition tells us that he refused to be crucified upright. But he said he had to be crucified with head facing downwards because it says he wasn't worthy to be crucified the same way his master Jesus was. That's how Peter came to this place. And he talks about uh, the righteousness that is of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Notice he calls Jesus God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Jesus is not just another uh, 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 teacher, another philosopher. Jesus is God. <laughs> Amen. I know it kind of unsettles other people who believe that Jesus is not just an ordinary prophet, but Jesus is our God and our Savior. And as we continue, it talks about grace and peace, huh? Being yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. We know how important grace is. Grace has been said to be the unmerited favor of God. But grace is more than that. Grace is also the divine enablement 
from God. We do what we do in the kingdom of God by the grace of God. We are who we are in the kingdom of God by the grace of God. I don't deserve to be what I'm doing today. I don't deserve to be who I am today. It's by the grace of God. God has just favored me to do what I'm doing now. You don't deserve what you are doing now or to be who you are today. It's just by the grace of God, he has just favored you to be who you are. And Peter, he he lays down the the foundation of his teaching to say, you may, because later on when he speaks what he speaks, people may think that he is a legalist. He's not a legalist. He knows that salvation is by grace. And he knows also our sustainability as a people is also by grace. It's not that we wake out to be what God wants us to be on our own strength. It takes the grace of God. Amen. That's what Peter is laying down here. So the first thing he talks about, uh, that we want to, to look at, there's so many things we can talk about, but for the interest of time, allow me to just touch on a few things that we can touch there. But before we go there, let me talk about What he says here before we go there, he says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of our God and Jesus our Lord. He's telling us that for us to have grace and peace in abundance, it takes us to know God. The the more we know God, the more we know Jesus, the more the abundance of grace upon our life. Amen. Amen. That's what he's telling us. And that word knowledge is epinosis. And it means complete knowledge. It means uh, knowledge that is coming out, believing, understanding, and applying. Amen? Believing, understanding, and applying. That it becomes epinosis. You know, a lot of, I ask a lot of people here, say, do you know Barack Obama? Everybody will say, yeah, we know Barack Obama. But who really knows? knows Barack Obama in this congregation. <laughs> Amen? What we know is what we, we, we see on TV. What we, see, we know of him is what we see on the internet. But do we really know him? If we are to ask here, who knows Donald Trump? Everyone say, we know Donald Trump. <laughs> but do we really know Donald Trump? The real Donald Trump? <laughs> Maybe what we know is just a persona of Donald Trump. But who is the real Donald Trump? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) We can know about Jesus. Yeah, we can know about Jesus. You can know that in history there was a certain man who was born in Palestine and he died there. And it is said that he died for the sins of the world. History. Amen. But I still don't know him. (laughs) That's just a historical knowledge of Jesus Christ. But when we are talking about epinosis, we mean that we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior, and we are walking with him, and we speak with him, and we hear from him, and we serve him. Now we can say, we know Jesus Christ. In fact, we, we, we may not know him as much as we should. And we may not know him under the sky or in this life that to, to say that I have finished knowing him. We may not know that. 
Like Paul was saying that I, st- I want to know Jesus. He had not yet arrived. Neither have I, neither have you. We have not yet arrived at the full knowledge of Jesus. That's why Paul, uh, Peter is saying this year, get to know Jesus. Actually, in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he says, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes, we have grace, but we can grow in the grace. Paul says somewhere else, he says, you are, you are excelling in this other grace. Excel also in the grace of giving. Amen. We can grow in, in, in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. So the more I know Jesus, the more grace I experience. The more I know Jesus, the more shalom I experience. The more wholeness I become, I, I experience. And then he says, if you look now at what is now, our first point is that we are connected with God by faith. It takes faith to get to know this God. We hear the gospel and I say, I like this God. I want this God in my life. We have not seen him. Is there anyone who has seen Jesus? I don't think no one has. Maybe in a dream. But face to face, no one has. But how are we gathering here? Why are we singing about him? It's by faith. We just believe that he is there. Amen? But what I like about this statement, it says here, it says, uh, to those through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. I like this statement because it is telling me that the faith that I have is the same as the faith that these people he was writing to had. Amen. The faith that, that I, we have is the same faith that Paul and the other apostles and all those other people that we read of in the New Testament or in the Old Testament is what we have received. It's no lesser faith. It says the same like faith, like the one that, like ours. Amen. What is the implication of that? The implication of that is, if that faith was able to work in their life, that same faith should work in my life. If that faith was able to deliver what God had sent to deliver in their life, then that same faith must also deliver in my life. Hallelujah. We have not received a a, a lower grade faith. We have received the same faith that they received. And the Bible tells us that God is a respecter of no persons. If you have received this faith, it's the same apostolic faith that you have received. Then it means whether you are in Timbuktu or whether you are in America, whether you are in South America, whether you are in Bangladesh or whatever it is, if you have received the same, it must deliver the same results. Amen. What we have received is not lesser than his. The same faith that made Paul to grow, to become what he is right, by the time he's writing, the same faith we have also received. Hallelujah. It also teaches something. We must hold on 
to the faith of the apostles. I like that creed, the apostles' creed. Amen? <laughs> what the apostles believed. <laughs> Lest we may forget, what did the apostles believe? Because there are so many other kinds of gospels that are coming, and they'll keep coming. Just as Peter was correcting the same in chapter 2 about false teachers and, and their destruction, even now they are still there. They are coming. And they will continue to churn out false doctrines, false uh, messages to try to destroy the church from within. Amen. We have to hold on to the apostolic message. Whatever we, we hear, we must check it out with the apostolic message. Does this resonate with the apostolic message? Whatever we hear. Amen? In chapter 2, verse 42 of Acts, we are told there that the saints, they gathered together. They were devoted to the teachings of the apostles. They were devoted to the teachings of the apostles. That's what made the difference with every other else. There were other rabbis there who were churning out their teachings. But it was the teachings of the apostles that they held on to. That's why they became who they became. Amen. So Peter is also reminding us the same this morning. A Christian is someone who believes what the apostles believed, no matter where he is or what he is, what, what culture or background or education or national heritage he has. That's why we are gathered in this place, because we have believed the teachings of the apostles. Amen. The, th the second thing that also we need to understand as we are pursuing spiritual growth is that we are connected to God's power. We hear in this passage that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Saints, we are not lacking the resources for us to grow. They are there. Amen. The power of God that brought the transformation in the apostles, that same power has been given to you and me today. And if that power was able to bring the changes that power brought in the lives of those apostles, then the same power must bring the same changes in me and in you. Amen. Amen. We have the power of the Holy Spirit with us. Somewhere Paul says, the power that resurrected Christ from the dead worketh within you. Amen. In, Isaiah, in, in Ezekiel chapter 36 from 24, 25 to 27 there, it talks about that I will remove the stone of flesh from your heart, uh, the, of, of, of stone and put a stone, a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you. And because of that, you'll be able to do my decrees. Amen. 
that has happened. Everything that we need for us to live the life that God wants us to live has been provided. It's a given. When Jesus was on the cross, he made a triumphant declaration. It is finished. Amen. Everything that these people who will follow me will need in their life has been provided for at the cross. Your healing has been provided for at the cross. Your deliverance has been provided at the cross. You don't need to be bound by every force of darkness. The power for deliverance has been given to you. You don't need to be bound by sickness and disease. The power to heal has been given to you. It has been provided for. I cannot minister in my own power. Thank God I have the power of God to help me minister this morning. Amen. It's not me. It's not, it's not my strength. Zerubbabel was wondering, how can I do this? How can I build this temple? How can I rebuild this temple? At least Solomon had a lot of resources. David, you know, bequeathed to him billions probably of dollars worth of material for him to build this, this temple. Where do I get these resources now? Where will I get the gold? Where will I get the silver to rebuild this temple that Solomon had all these other resources to build? How will I do this? And God spoke to him. It's not by might, it's not by strength, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. You may be seated there, there is a, a, a certain thing that you need to do, and you're wondering, how am I going to do this? I'm here to encourage you, the power has been given to you for you to do that very thing. The resources from God are at your disposal for you to do that very thing. It's been given to you. The grace of God is sufficient for that kind of thing. It's been given to you. Then he continues. You see, the apostles laid the foundation of the entire epistle, establishing the fact that genuine salvation is a supernatural act. The work of God from start to finish. Amen. Amen. The new birth involves a divine call. Since we have a divine call upon our lives. You are divinely appointed. You are divinely called by God. And there has been an implanting of the divine nature and the impartation of the divine power for you to be able to do, to live the Christian, to successfully uh, live a Christian life, according to Dihan. We are connected to God's promises. Precious and great promises, not just mere promises. But they are precious. They are great. The other, the, the other, uh, the, the other vision says they are magnificent. Amen. We have magnificent promises from God. 
And we know that every promise is as good as the promiser. Amen? Every promise is as good as the one who promises. And he who has promised is no lesser mortal or no lesser person than God himself. The one who is faithful. The one who is all-powerful. The one who is all-knowing. The one who is love. The one who is light. The one who is holy. The El Shaddai. Is the one who has promised. Part of growing in the kingdom of God is learning to trust the promises of God. Is learning to apply the promises of God upon our life. Whatever the situation that you're facing this morning, check the scriptures. You will find there is a promise that addresses the very thing that you are going through. And if you come to the scripture with an open heart and with an eye to look for the promises of God, you will find them. They are there. And they will help you to deal with whatever you are going through. Do you feel like you have been abandoned? Do you feel like you are, you are alone? The scriptures tell us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you to the end of the age. Those people can run away from you. They can reject you. They can forsake you. But there is one who will never forsake you. He's always there with you. He's always walking with you. He's there as you're seated where you are. He's there as you go to your office place. He's there as you drive on the road, as you walk on the road, as you sleep at your bed. He's right there with you. Like that song the, 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 the Liverpool team sings, you will never walk alone. Amen. You will never walk alone. You will never walk alone. Turn to somebody and tell them you will never walk alone. God is with you. Hallelujah. And we are connected to God's person. We have opportunity to experience what it means to be partakers of the divine nature. Hallelujah. So these promises, they help us to be partakers of the divine nature. It is because of that divine nature in us that makes us to live a life that God wants us to live. It is that divine nature, that divine DNA in us that helps us to become what God wants us to become. Amen. We have the divine DNA in us. We have to become what that DNA entails we are. You see, the, but the, the, the problem with all this thing is that there is a certain discrepancy that is there between what we are in Christ positionally and what we are in reality. <laughs> Amen? The Bible says we are holy. Amen? If I ask you, are you holy? You are going to tell me, no, I'm not holy. <laughs> Amen? 
but you are wrong you are holy <laughs> tell your neighbor you are holy <laughs> tell your neighbor i'm holy <laughs> amen when paul writes the letter to the church in Cor- in corinth he says to the saints in corinth of all people corinthians saints really <laughs> Check out their story. There is a sexual immorality happening there. There is a division, fighting. You know, I'm of Paul. This one says I'm of Cephas. This one says I'm of Apollos. And the other one says I'm of Jesus. As, long, as, 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 as if all these other ones are not of Jesus. <laughs> we are of Jesus. Amen. But Paul writes to them and says, you are holy. You are saints. And that word saints uh, is coming from the root word in Greek, hagios. And that word, the primary meaning of it is to be separate. Is to be separated. Amen? So there are the, there's a negative side of separation and a positive side of separation. The negative side is we are separated from the worldliness. Amen? Separated from a life of like everybody else, amen, to a life that is a special kind of life. The positive side of it is we are separated unto God. We are separated unto God. We are devoted to God. To be holy, it means you are devoted to somebody. And in this case, to God. We are devoted to God. So if you are devoted to God, then we must live a life that pleases God. If we are devoted, devoted to God, then we live our life to worship God and we live our life to serve God. We cannot live our life to save other gods or other things instead of saving our God. Because we are devoted to God. We have been separated for worshiping of God and for service to God. Amen. But when you look at our life, <laughs> experience shows that we are not that holy as well. <laughs> Amen? We still speak some things that later on we regret. How did I say that? We still do some things that we know that not what I did is seen before God. So there has to be a narrowing of the gap between what we are positional in God, that we are holy, and the actual holy living in day-to-day life. It is for this reason that Paul, Peter now is saying that in, in, verse, uh, in verse 5, he says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control to self-control perseverance and to perseverance goodliness and to goodliness brotherly kindness and brotherly kindness love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive and you are not in your knowledge of our lord jesus but if anyone does not have them he is a nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins Amen. 
Therefore, brothers, make all the more eager uh, to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Make every effort. Do whatever it takes for you to grow into the Lord. Amen. That's what he's saying. He tells me that this does not just come automatically. That because I've accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior, then I'll grow to become what God wants me to be. Just sit on the chair and say, I'll become what God says I'll become. No. What will, be, what will happen is you will regress and you'll go back to the way you used to live. You see, there's no, it's either you are growing or you are not growing. And when you are not growing, you are going back. That's how it is. Amen. <laughs> if you look at the country the way it is, we, we, we look at it. The reason why we are, we, are, we, we are going back is because we are not growing. As a result, we are even able to see there were some things that we had done better in the past, but they are, it's worse now because we are not growing. Amen. The same thing with the spiritual life. No growth, you are going back. The more you grow towards God, the more you are growing from the world. The more you are not growing towards God, the more you are going back to the world. You are still living the worldly values. You are still living like the world. But God says, no, grow. Let's become like more, more and more like Jesus. So what are the things? So the process of Christian growth that indicates a person is growing in the grace and the knowledge of Christ is expressed by the developing of the following virtues in the life of the believer. So these are faith, which is the commitment of your destiny into the Lord's hands for his plan for your life. Whereby you are able to look at your life. No matter what is going on, I'm committing my life into the destiny of God. God is in control of my life. God has got good plans over my life. I may not see it. I may not understand it. But I know God has got a plan over my life. I will, I will settle. I will rest in that fact. Goodness, heroic moral energy in action, resembling the behavior and the attitudes of the Lord Jesus Christ in standing for moral excellence. If you look at Jesus Christ, he never said any wrong word. He never did any wrong action. He is an object of absolute moral perfection. Moral excellence. Knowledge. Learning about all the things that the scripture records so that they are known. And you will not know about the knowledge of the scripture when the Bible is usually at your shelf. But you don't go to it and read it. Make every effort. Amen. <laughs> it takes effort to read the Bible. Amen. Then it says, what is, is there? Self-control. It means under pressure, you hold yourself together in the mighty power of God. Self-control is needed to control our tempers. Amen. Some of us, we, flow, we, we fly off the handle so often for little provocation.
perseverance, stand up under pressure so that you demonstrate the hope-filled confidence in keeping of the power of God. Even though you are under pressure, even though things are not working, but you're persevering, you say, my God, I will hold on to the promises of God. I know my God is faithful. It may not look like it's working, but I know with this God, I will experience his goodness no matter how it looks like. My eyes may look at my problem and I'm seeing no hope. But I'm not going to look at my problem. I will look to God. That's where my help comes from. I will look to his promises because I know he who promises is not a liar. He's not a man like, like who can lie. He's God who is faithful. When he says this is going to happen, it will happen. It does not matter whether it takes 25 years, it is going to happen. Amen. Amen. Whether you take 120 years like in the time of Noah, waiting until the flood comes. 120 years. He's faithful. Godliness. Obedience to God's revealed holy standards of living. Brotherly kindness. Demonstrating family loving commitment to the needs of others in the world at Christian family. You see, when you know, we need to grow, whereby we are able to, to be kind towards one another among us. Among us, there are some people who are struggling with things that you have excelled in. You are, you, as you are seated there, you are the solution to somebody else's need in this very congregation. Amen. He will become, he will, like somebody said, this preacher went to the mountain, he was praying there. So this one is praying. I just, uh, he's praying to God. Oh, I just need 1,500. Or was it 2,000 or whatever it was. And this man of God had that man in his pocket. He just went to him. I say, this is the man you can go. <laughs> An answer there. Amen. <laughs> Why should this man spend the whole day at the mountain praying for what I have in my pocket? Amen. <laughs> love. Agape love that practically cares for the ultimate requirements of others that they might teach their spiritual potential. They might reach their spiritual, spiritual potential also. And I like what, what in Colossians uh, Peter's, uh, Paul says when he's talking about love. Praise the Lord. Verse 14, chapter 3. It says, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Put on love. Tell your neighbor, put on love. Put on love.